Today on the show, rushing into a burning cathedral, millennials at mass, fatherhood redeemed, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground Easter edition is right here. Hello there, it is time for the See You Weekly. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent, hi and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 395. I am Father Chris Decker, and joining me this week, we got Kathleen Lee, the executive director of the Woman's New Life Center. Hey, Kathleen. Hey, how are y'all? We are well. We are well. I guess I should say who the other we is, right? Yes. Uh, Father Ryan Humphreys, who's pastor of St. Edward the Confessor Parish in Tallulah, Louisiana. He's the editor of the Avogadro's Number Desk, which is constant, I suppose. It is constant. (laughs) Hello, Father. I'm not a ninja. Hello. (laughs) No, not a professional one anyway. (laughs) No, no. It's quite horrifying when I try to (laughs) cut things in half with my hands and whatnot. That's right. (laughs) He has to use his space katana. Speaking of space, so let's go up to the Jeff Star 1 near-Earth orbit satellite to meet... Jeff himself, Jeff Blackwell, is the technical director of that satellite. He is, uh, he's also the commandant of that satellite. Hey, Jeff. Some days, and I, I take a day off every now and then. So That's right. Although I haven't bother. seen it, I tell you, you're always there when we call upon you. And then uh, Thanks, in brother. the ball pit, yes, over there. we've got uh, Ed Ball, who's running the video. So if you're watching us on Facebook or any of the other um, outlets in which our video offering comes to you. Uh, that's Ed doing all that there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jeff, of course, is running all the audio for uh, our podcast audience and those of you listening to us on the radio. So uh, I don't know if you know, we're, we're live on the radio on Sunday evenings in New Orleans on 690 AM and then also here in Baton Rouge on uh, 1380 AM and yes. 105.9. Is that right? FM, FM yes, um, that's in correct. the city of Baton Rouge itself. Wow. So, so yeah, all sorts of ways to listen to us. If you happen to be passing through Baton Rouge on your way to the beach. Kathleen, oh, wouldn't it be beach. nice? If it, would be. it would I'm be. I'm going to the beach in a couple weeks. <laughs> what? Okay. I'm making music for a retreat at the beach. Can we talk oh, about perfect. how fun uh-huh. this is? It's a, last yeah. year, it was like 100 junior high kids, me, on the beach at sunset playing Oceans. I was like, this is the weirdest, coolest thing ever. What is going on? <laughs> so I'm guessing they didn't have to twist your arm to oh, do no, that. Oh, no, 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 no. They don't. You just you said, would you? Yes. Yes, it was beach. Yeah, okay, be there. Okay. Father, whenever <laughs> we were in the seminary, there used to be a, a charismatic Catholic conference. It was called Beach Blast. Beach Blast. <laughs> Indeed. It took place outside of Niceville, Florida, which yeah. was, you know, one of the... Uh, oh, yeah. No, it was great. It was great. It was, uh, uh, it was like three or four days long. It was, uh-huh. it was a good thing, yeah. Yeah, it, it, uh, I, I vaguely remember. I never went. I don't know. Right, why you I weren't charismatic enough. No, I suppose it was, not. This was yeah. this was not like <laughs> Life Teen Charismania. This was charismaniac. It was very yeah. very intense, and wow. it was the full on you know very charismatic at the time. Yeah, uh, and it was connected between the Diocese of Alexandria, the uh, Center for Jesus, the Lord, and then um, Pensacola, Tallahassee. Pen, and, and there was a yeah, but it wasn't the diocese. It was a parish there, oh, okay. but I can't remember the name of the parish. Oh, there were okay. there were four of these kind of women who mm-hmm. formidable. women women of God who mm-hmm. who just kind of had a friendship from their past and they brought together by sheer force of will <laughs> people from all over the country and were like, you're coming to the beach. Okay. That's that's how it I mean, really, that's yeah. how it played yeah. out. It was great. It was called Beach Blast. It was a hoot. Yeah, there you go. I, I had this vague <laughs> recollection of it in my mind. Uh, but, you know, uh, one of the things that is not a hoot is whenever church buildings catch fire. That was a pretty hard segue. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I tell you, I was I was rather uh, surprised. Uh, I was doing work on on my computer, you know, the, mm-hmm. just a regular old day, and uh, I got a pop up uh, text on my uh, phone saying uh, Notre Dame in Paris ablaze. Wow! 
And I remember thinking, no, that's that that yeah, can't be the same one. Right. And mm-hmm. and sure enough, it was a it was a September 11th like uh, thing. You know, yeah. uh, all of the international news media were covering it, and you're thinking, what is going yeah. on here? Right. And uh, and of course the 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 hype and the hype of the situation everyone thinks well it's it's done it's it's gone right yeah uh, because it, it just looked terrible yeah. and uh, it wasn't without a great deal of uh, of danger and a great deal of um, of destruction but uh, the 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 medieval cathedrals were built to stand right, right yeah and they were built to withstand almost anything and, yeah, and actually, stone doesn't burn very very lightly no you know? exactly and this i believe was not the first time that notre right. dame cathedral in paris uh, had known fire because in in the medieval times um, there were no forks, but in the medieval times, uh, there was always the threat of fire. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and so uh, a couple of things happened in in medieval times whenever there was fire, and uh, that was that people always saw it as an opportunity to turn back to God. Oddly enough, the medievals didn't see it as God doing it, mm. but they knew that because everything was made of wood and everything was was fragile because of the building materials that they had, that uh, it was an opportunity to turn back to the Lord. Mm. So whenever something caught fire and there was a huge uh, damaging anything, they would always see it as an opportunity to say, well, now we must kind of refocus our efforts and turn back to God. And it was really neat uh, to, to see some of that happening because you saw that uh, in in Paris, as soon as these things happened, what happened? But Catholics got together and they began to sing mm-hmm. hymns to yeah. Our Lady. Wow. Really was something. Yeah. And uh, come to find out that it was it was the uh, kind of the forest. They call it the forest, which were all of the timbers, these ancient, almost petrified oak trees that are 800 years old that were beginning to burn. And then the spire, which was part wood, yeah. was burning as well. Mm. Um, and so in the midst of all of this, in the midst of, of the, the firemen uh, rushing in to try to save uh, the North Tower, to save all the things that were burning, was, um, was one priest who was a, a fire chaplain, fire brigade chaplain, um, Father Jean-Marc Fournier. And he was a chaplain of the Paris Fire Brigade. He is credited with uh, doing a priest thing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he ran in. And uh, he saved a reliquary um, containing the crown of thorns and the blessed sacrament. And, uh, and, and so this was the thing. He, the chaplain reportedly demanded to be allowed into the cathedral along with the firefighters to go in for the relics. And a member of the Paris Fire Department uh, told reporters on April 16th that he is an absolute hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed no fear, quote, no fear at all as he made straight for the relics inside the cathedral and made sure they were saved. He deals with life and death every day and shows no fear. I mean, that's something yeah. like the, the, the picture of, uh, of Father Jean-Marc is he's, he's wearing his clerics, but he's got the fireman's jacket on, you know, mm-hmm. the flame retardant jacket. Yeah. And uh, he just kind of ran in. Uh, the priest was said to be at the hot end of the human chain. So he was closest to, mm-hmm. uh, to the danger zone. Um, Q80s music, Jeff. No, I'm joking. You don't do <laughs> There's <laughs> but, a highway somewhere. There yeah. is a highway somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and, and he went in. And uh, so, so we have, there was a lot of stuff that was lost. But it's really interesting if you've seen any of the photographs. Because the, the oaks burned. Mm-hmm. But a great deal of, I mean, the rest of the cathedral was untouched. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, I think the big damage they had was smoke that affected some of the murals and the, yeah. and the, the work on the walls. Yeah. But, I mean, the, for the most part, it's astounding how, how little was really damaged. Yeah. yeah. So first and foremost, he, he took the Blessed Sacrament out of the tabernacle. Right. And I was reading in another account that uh, he, he, I'm paraphrasing, but he said to himself, 
well, uh, this is a, a, an extremely dangerous situation. We're worried that we're going to lose this, this church. Mm-hmm. So as he was taking the Blessed Sacrament of the Tabernacle, he gave a Eucharistic benediction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He blessed the church with the monstrance saying, Jesus, save your house. Wow. Uh-huh. And it was about the same time that the firemen were able to, to save the North Tower mm-hmm. and, uh, and get everything out. And I heard so, I heard that, and I was like, yeah. man, I think that if I were in that position, I'd just be kind of yeah. <laughs> gathering Jesus in my arms and be like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. I'm running well, out. Like, I, I'm thinking to myself, I, I wonder if if I were that priest, would I have the, the presence of mind to still be priest, right? Mm-hmm. To yeah. still be yeah. a priest. I would like mm-hmm. to think that I would. Kind of like a parent, right? Yeah. If your child's in danger. Yeah. You you go into this kind of primal mm-hmm. right. center of your being kind of thing of like okay yeah mama bear protects yeah, you know yeah. and I'd like to think that as a priest I would do the same thing I don't know I don't know how I would may I never have to exercise right that. yeah I mean that's <laughs> well the thing that blows my mind is like I, I've I've got an emergency plan for my parish Boy, right does and, he? and and yeah it's extensive uh, but I mean I, I know I've got to take the books I know I've got to take the blessed sacrament I've got to take the holy oils I've got to take the relics you know there's, so there's a list of things I have to take but I can't imagine being like I'm visiting Father Chris and staying at his place tonight can't imagine the church goes down and I've got to bust into his church a church I'm not super familiar with yeah. to try to find the tabernacle key which is no joke yeah. and then you know break into that ginormous <laughs> thing and then you know get our Lord out of there and then look mm-hmm. around and go, are there any other relics that are, you know, I mean, and even if you'd spent a lot of time in Notre Dame, it's not a joke. There's a lot of space in there. Yeah, church. Yeah. And so I mean, you look around and you're like, what can I save? What can I not? There's flames falling around you and the brother's going, maybe I'll take a moment, you know, <laughs> yeah. give a blessing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's just it's yeah. unbelievable, the, the presence of mind and the devotion that comes with that. It's, it's really, really it's, uh, inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of the things that were saved, uh, the crown of thorns. So this is regarded as the cathedral's most sacred relic, um, and it's purported to be a relic of the crown placed on the head of Jesus uh, at his crucifixion, obtained and brought to parish by King Louis the Ninth in the 13th century. And uh, so it's it's made of, of rushes, which is kind of like a woven mm-hmm. um, uh, brush, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, wrapped into a wreath and tied with a gold filament. And uh, it's been kept under glass since 1896, and it's only occasionally, as with many of these of these very special relics, mm-hmm. uh, only occasionally displayed. Um, and it was quickly transported to a secret location. So this right. is really interesting. So Paris, you know, once called the eldest daughter of the church, is now a heavily secular society. Mm-hmm. And Father Ryan and I experienced that yes. to a Good great Lord. degree yeah. when we were traveling in Europe. Uh, but there is still the notion that there is a priceless value mm-hmm. to these things. And, and I mean, let's come here. Come a little closer. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, Paris is still Christian. You know, I mean, at yeah. the at the deepest level, like you can't wash away right over nine hundred years mm-hmm. of of the faith. You can't. Yeah. And so, when something like the crown of thorns is in danger, it's immediately brought to a secret location, right, right to make sure that nothing happens. Uh, the relics are on eight inches in diameter. It's made from um, these rushes bound by wire. Uh, initially composed of 70 spines, which have been distributed throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And one of them uh, was purported to be in the spire. And so it's lost. It's been lost yeah. uh, or incinerated, I suppose. It has gone back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so the so the relic of the, the crown of thorns w- was was uh, removed. Also, the tunic of St. Louis the Ninth. Right. Uh, that, I mean, if you've ever read, do you? Uh, it comes up every year on his feast day. The letter of Louis the Ninth, I think it was, to his son. Yeah. And Jeff, if you want to read something that is a beautiful letter of a father to his son, 
the mm. king to the prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, that letter of Louis the Ninth is is beautiful. So Louis the Ninth was, uh, was, you know, saint, mm-hmm. and uh, and he brought the crown of thorns to Paris after arranging to to get it from the Latin emperor of Byzantium because it was in in Byzantium, and um, and so he wore just a plain tunic and no shoes, and he walked barefoot behind the relic as it was transported to France. And so that tunic, that relic, uh, was also was also saved, as was the maize. <laughs> not the mayonnaise. <laughs> or the corn. Or the corn. No, 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 maize. Yeah, very good. Maize, yeah. Maize, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there were 13 paintings known as the maize from a series of 17th and early 18th century works, and they were commissioned by the city's goldsmiths uh, the guild, right, because there was a guild system as there was in every medieval system. Uh, and they they wanted to give the cathedral in May of each year between 1630 and 1707. Uh, they are also believed to have been, have been, uh, have survived. Um, the works housed in the chapel's nave were evacuated during the fire. Um, so, again, priceless paintings, right. you know. And then, of course, there were some other things because there were renovations that were already taking place in the cathedral, and so there were some things that were normally there that weren't. Right. And uh, there were also the 12 apostles. There are statues uh, representing the 12 apostles and the four evangelists. And those were already in Perrineau, um, for uh, in, in southwestern France. So they weren't harmed. Um, the, the pictures of them all show them without their heads. But it's easier and for them to transport yeah. by taking <laughs> the heads off funny, of the statues. Yeah, they're just sitting at their feet. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little strange to see. Yeah, And then, of course... The rose windows, yeah. everyone yeah, was the concerned big, big about the rose windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Father Ryan and I remember that that was our final exam question in our medieval mm-hmm. history classes. What is the name of the rose? Right? right. What is the rose? Mm-hmm. And so the, the notion of, um, of so much of medieval culture being able to be understood right. by the, the kind of the, the mystery and the symmetry yeah. of the rose window. Well, doubly so because Saint-Sulpice, uh, another of the most beautiful churches in Paris, was damaged by arson just a week earlier. Yeah. And so that rose window survived, but it was damaged heavily. And so there was a big concern, you know, that, that two of the great rose windows of the world would mm-hmm. be destroyed within two weeks of each other. So these were okay. Yeah, because we, to my knowledge, we don't build these things anymore. I mean, there no. are rose windows that you can build. They're done with modern, uh, you know, concrete and, yeah. and um, yeah. stone masonry techniques but but these ancient uh these old world uh, rose windows they they speak a catechism they speak yeah. a um you're ready for a long word a cosmology of the world huh mm-hmm. where you usually have our lord in the center uh, or our lady in the center you know and then everything else kind of rays out from that and so it does speak of of how the medievals viewed the universe rightly mm-hmm. ordered and so it's a catechism in and of itself and mm-hmm. so um, they 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 worried about uh, things that were melting because there of course there's lead that binds everything together. Sure. Um, they it says they may still have to be dismantled, but the windows for the most part have held up. Yeah, yeah. And so they have to do some work to see what that is. So the organ also uh, did not burn. Um, Eighteen or eight thousand pipes. Um, nobody knows whether it was damaged by heat or water. You know, organs yeah. are are uh, a very yeah. living, fragile breathing organ. instruments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They really yeah. are. Yeah, they really are. Uh, and so, and so, they've just been cleaned during 2013. In fact, I remember that refurbishment because they had choirs go all around and sing mm-hmm. to to pay for the refurbishment of the of the organ. So I guess it's going right. to be re re 
cleaned. Furbished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The bells, each one named after a saint, um, were, were – um, actually, they're no stranger. They called to, in the singing gargoyles to make sure that they were all in good condition. And they the did. bells of Notre Dame are okay. So, That's right. Uh, uh, on Quasimodo Sunday, right? That's right. It was actually true. Yeah. Uh, they they – um, They've been replaced a number of times because the French Revolution deprived the church of its valuable metal bell so they could make a cannon, mm-hmm. as one does. But uh, the bells were, were okay, this, this version of the bells. Mm-hmm. And then there were some things, as you said, that were lost. So the fragment of the Holy Cross uh, and the nail. Um, there was a fragment of the Holy Cross, of the true mm-hmm. cross, and then also of the, the nail. And then also um, uh, the relics uh, that were in the spire. So Saint-Denis, Saint-Genevieve. Um, and then one of those thorns as well, as well as a reliquary rooster. Mm-hmm. All wow, thought to a pair. Mm-hmm. The medieval world loved them some rooster reliquaries. Sure <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of bird reliquaries really? from that era. It's yes, true. weird, but they're there. Interesting. Yeah. Doves and roosters. So, you know, one of the things that also survived the, uh, the Paris fire <laughs> us, we are the Catholic <laughs> underground. I've taken hard turns. <laughs> Segway way, man. That's right. Into these interstitials, you are listening to the Catholic Underground. We're online at catholicunderground.tv. Yo soy Father Chris. We've also got Kathleen Lee. Hola. And Father Ryan. Bueno. <laughs> Jeff Blackwell's up in the uh, the satellite. Buenas noches. Buenas noches. <laughs> you got nachos up there? Grazie. Yeah. Absolutely. That's right. Hey, Kathleen, what kind of cheese isn't yours? What kind of cheese? Nacho cheese. <laughs> Nacho cheese. That's Get a, your own. That's my dad joke slash first yeah, communion a, joke slash. There it you is. Know. That's great. I yeah, like that. A train wreck segue, I think is what you yeah, call that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. There it is. Our picks of the week are coming up. <laughs> but first, we thought we'd spend a little bit of time uh, talking about uh, something that made the rounds in social media. And so they're called Catholic Parish Do's and Don'ts. From millennials. Yeah. So rather than us imposing what millennials want, right. we're listening to them. Yeah. And you know, I kind of, I, this has come across my feed several times and I have avoided it like the plague because a lot of times I think, and mm-hmm. this is in my humble opinion, I am HO. Um, that sometimes we as millennials make a lot of demands. You know, yeah. um, well, I would go to church if you did this. Well, what? just go to church, dude. Yeah. Like it doesn't have, you know, and so I avoided it. But in reading this article, um, it has some really good thoughts and some really th- some things that make sense. And it seems to come from a more sensitive mm-hmm. approach rather yeah. than, well, y'all better do this or we're not coming. Yeah. And know? honestly, it's kind of it bridges the millennial generation too because yeah. it's just good common sense yeah well, I mean, that, like brian holdsworth is a millennial who's a youtuber and yeah. he, yeah. these are a lot of the same things he talks about like if you want to get millennials to come to church these are some of the things you have to do yeah. right and it's not a listen here you jerk priest yeah, get it right. right it's like but yeah. no if you want to be successful this is what you do right. and this is what you don't do yeah and it's also not a lot of like play stuff that we find on you know christian radio it's not it's it's surprising so um actually the boston herald mm-hmm. um they had a story that said millennials are making their way back to church right and they focus actually on catholic parishes in boston that are seeing more millennials at mass and so the report gave this guy tom hoops um an idea why not ask millennials mm-hmm. uh, that he knows what attracts or repels them from parish life you know wh- let's let's talk to them themselves and say why do you why do you come to a certain parish yeah. or why do you not um and they have a couple of do's and don'ts. So first, the first don't schedule daily mass 
um, only for retirees, yeah. which is very interesting because down here in the South, we have a lot of noonday masses. Yeah. And I'm guilty. Mine's at 830. Right. In the morning. Yeah. So. And so there was a quote from from somebody in this uh, in this focus group that says, my generation hates when churches cater to the elderly and retired only. Mm-hmm. Um, she cited masses scheduled at 8 a.m. or later instead of before or after work hours. They, those, those can be difficult to attend. Yeah. Right. Because most of now that I'm not teaching anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> my whole work day is 7 30 to 4 yeah which is awkward and i don't even work till 5 so it's yeah. you know um so you can't get to a mass unless it's like 6 30 or something like right that. Yeah. yeah so i mean i have to go to mass yeah or a noonday mass which takes my whole lunch hour which uh-huh. is fine but um the millennials are saying that a parish with an 8 a.m or later daily mass is saying loud and clear in their opinion, we don't want working people to attend our masses. Yeah, which I mean, they could—they may not mean to, mm-hmm. um, but it's very obvious when it, when it's scheduled in such a way that you can't make it if you're if you're a nine to fiver. Right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, there was a Gallup poll that said membership in churches is continuing its twenty year drop. Right. And so this is interesting. Right. That that's a natural consequence of church schedules that exclude working people. If I can't fit it into like. If I want to go to a daily mass and I can't fit it into my mm-hmm. to my day, um, you know that that can be a problem. Well, I think there's a lot more going on under the hood than yeah. the way this you know describes. Like this is right. not the reason for it, sure. but it's definitely a problem. You know, I mean, and I've been in parishes with the six thirty morning mass, and it's good. There's people show up, and I would be there at six a.m. and have people show up in the confession at right. six a.m. Yeah. Um, but there, I don't think churches are choosing to do to do that for the reasons they're giving. But it's a it's a big giant problem, and unless the priest is willing to be super generous and have yeah. that six thirty a.m. mass and that eight a.m. mass for the for those folks right. who who sure. are asleep in, it really is challenging. And so I mean, it's it's a great point. Right. Um, but I, but I think we should be cautious about saying well the priest is doing it for this reason. Right, right. Yeah. You right. know, that, I think that's a little little dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. So what do they say that we should do? Of course, schedule mass for working people that they can attend. Maybe a late Later in the afternoon mass mm-hmm. um, or early in the morning. And they say a bonus tip for parishes from the focus group, right? It says, please, please, please put your mass times on your uh, website. And have a parish website. Right. Yes. Have a parish website that is accessible, that is not, does not have dancing things across it. I've had to look up Ooh, many, no, many, many yes, in my, no. in my new position. And, um, uh, every time I see one, I go, Oh, Father Chris does not need to see this. <laughs> you just don't tell them. Comic Sans and an animated right. gift, baby. Right? Yeah. Or put it on your Facebook page. I think something really <laughs> cool is that our young priests are getting on Facebook and saying, you know, they do, they do one of those from, I call them from the front seat. Mm-hmm. They're sitting in the front seat of their car and they say, Hey, parishioners at blah, blah, blah. Don't forget, we got, you know, 630 Mass or whatever coming up. Yeah. Um, you know, let people know that what it is. Um, I'm so old. I, I don't even do that. I, you don't I'll do put, it I'll, the text, front seat. I'll text it, but I won't. Yeah. While you're driving, you text. No, Bad I won't. No, Bad I didn't Father say Chris. that. I just so like to bad. point out to the Louisiana State Police, I don't do that. <laughs> All right. The second, the second point from this focus group is don't make service opportunities the fiefdoms. Mm-hmm. Like that good word. word. Good yeah. word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't come up with it. I had to Google, <laughs> I had to Google it. Of uh, previous generations. Right. Millennials also called out service opportunities at parishes, mm-hmm. right? And they're saying uh, they tend to be run. They, they you know, then this is why I get kind of like yeah. cringy about millennial stuff yeah, yeah. because they attack the elderly sometimes. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. And so it says these, these service opportunities tend to be run by older people who can't, you know, think outside the box. Yeah. And I think that young people today, especially, are looking for ways to make an impact mm-hmm. um, that's meaningful. Um, 
something, it doesn't always have to be something that they can see the result of. Um, but a lot of, you know, I've, I've done a lot of mission works with young people, mission work, mission trips, mission yeah. work, yeah. Um, and service opportunities with young people. And they're looking for, they want to work hard. Um, and they want to see, um, they want to see some, some, something, not even maybe like a, an overall result. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But they want to see some kind of, of impact. Right. And so what do you do? Do make the church a place where millennials can serve their communities. Mm-hmm. How can they serve their own parish? Right. How right. can they serve the community where they are? Um, like what's going on in their city that they can be involved in? That's not, you know, baking cookies or yeah. making or, a garden. Somewhere. Yeah. I mean, one right. of the things that's a challenge here is, is that for a lot of millennials, they want to show up, have a turnkey project, right. do that turnkey project, and then go home and right. have no more follow-up. Yeah. And that's not the way 99.99% of projects actually happen. Right. And so there, there's a need to kind of think in a different way about like ultra-society projects or mm-hmm. what we do or the way we structure parish events so that we can open up some more turnkey opportunities. Um, because most of the time, you know, I've had millennials come to me and they're like, well, I want to do this. And you say, okay, well, Mr. So-and-so is in charge of this. And they, no, no, I don't want to work with him and you go well but you can't just show up and have a project magically appear and i can't have you work three hours and go dude i've got to go and then have a project that's got 15 things that need to be done that nobody knows how to do because it was so innovative you're the only one who knows how to do it right so there's there's got to be priests and clergy and everybody else has to think about how do we create projects that are really oriented toward that degree of work Yeah. yeah And, and on top of it too, there, there is the notion of uh, of seeking counsel from every wise man, yeah, you know, uh, or woman, as the case yeah. may be, right? That 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 uh, a lot of these folks that may be a little in the fiefdom, you know, kind yeah. of the king of the castle, they they have been there for a while with benefit, and so to to maybe get the pastor in on the conversation, you know, because mm-hmm. I've had to to kind of uh, bridge that gap a little bit yeah. to say, well, so and so is younger. And is willing to, to learn from you because, I mean, let's just be honest, you won't be doing this yes, forever. Right. Yes. And I'd rather not have to pry this fiefdom from your cold, right. dead hands. I'd yeah. like you to be able to share something and pass that, this on. That, I think, is a huge thing that, that millennials struggle with is, like, you're too young. You don't, you know, we've done this forever. This is how we do it. Yeah. And there is no, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mentoring or yeah. apprenticing of any, you know, of any young people. And so there's a there's there's this tendency to be like well if i don't have a place here then yeah. then i'm not coming you know if i don't have an, an opportunity to exist to participate right. not only in in service projects but in anything you know i remember um you know being confirmed and then being told because i was too young that mm-hmm. i couldn't be an, uh, an extraordinary minister at the oh, Eucharist. Yeah. and i was like but, but i'm an adult in the what yeah <laughs> Like, yeah. So there's this 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 like backlash of like well you know yeah sorry there's nothing for you here but there is right. but there's not but I don't know what to do yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and that 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 can be troublesome right. you know and and that is one of those dialogues in fact uh, George in the chat says be friendly I've been to many parishes where there's no effort made to identify and welcome newcomers that's one of those yeah. things that can happen in the midst it doesn't have to happen at mass right. but to be able to make an effort to say well who are our younger people. And do I have people that are in those mentoring positions that can reach out? Yeah. You know what I think we're going to do? Because it's a good topic, yeah. we'll catch it on the other side of the break. So stay Great. right where you are. The Catholic Underground comes right back after this. Hail Holy Queen, 
Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. This elevator music brought to you by the Catholic Underground. For more Catholic things, it's CatholicUnderground.com. Hi, everybody. Uh, you're listening to the Catholic Underground. We, um, we, of course, are here with you. I'm Father Chris. You've somehow found us. <laughs> or with us. <laughs> Never left. Kathleen's uh, here as well. Yes, I am. Father Ryan's back for a bit. At least until you go back home. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. And then uh, Jeff's where he usually can be found, uh, yeah. well, really, most hours of the day. Kind of reminded me of the Farfisa. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you know, uh, Father Ryan, the Farfisa. You know? Yo, me gusta Farfisa. Ah, I don't know yeah. what it is, but I do like it. Oh, come on! Yeah. It's not, I've got no it, idea. Really, it was like the first electronic organ of its kind. Oh, uh, okay. Italian, yeah, I remember the yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of yeah, the sixties. Uh, a lot of surf yeah. rock. Uh, exactly, Sir yeah. Rock, mm-hmm. and uh, let's see, yeah. Sam the Sham and the Very old. <laughs> it's not as cool as that ridiculous instrument you play with your magnetic field, but you know the the pheromon. Uh, oh, pheromon! Oh, that yeah. is you know, a, but, uh, oh wow! Yeah. There you go. There's a great there's a great documentary about that too. Well, yeah. Jeff, yeah. you've abandoned me. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 they did. They geeked out there. I know. <laughs> you joined the geekdom. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, our picks of the week are coming up uh, on the other side of the break. We were we were talking about um, millennials chiming in. Yeah. Um, for things that are important in parish life. And so we thought we'd just kind of keep on going because it is a good list. And uh, a lot of folks are, are chiming in in the chat, too, as yeah. well. Uh, Taylor, who I happen to know, is a millennial. Yep. Is that right? I think, Taylor, yeah, you are. You're a millennial. Yeah. Uh, Taylor says, uh, being more respectful of non-Catholics attending Mass or events hosted at the church, them attending is a crucial first step in entering the church and furthering their relationship with Christ in a deeper, more vulnerable way. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I mean, I, I don't make the announcement about receiving Holy Communion at every Mass. I usually do it for weddings and for funerals where mm-hmm. there are likely to be more non-Catholics. But it's something I've been thinking about, the notion of making a spiritual communion and yeah. maybe those who can't receive Holy Communion yet, rather than seeming exclusive but giving some context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that can be helpful, too. Well, it doesn't have to be huge. It's just, you know, uh, you know, and then you add on the end. And if you'd like, if you're not a Catholic and you'd like to, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's not an infomercial, well, you know, but you know. Yeah, but, but Pope Benedict often talked about that he thought that there was great benefit to having someone right. receive a blessing. And, and yeah. I've taken that uh, certainly to, to heart of like, yeah, there is something valuable about so even a non-Catholic if they, or a non-Christian if they want to come mm-hmm. forward and receive the sign of the cross over them by, as a priestly yeah. blessing. Then, then certainly that's uh, well. You know, it's crazy, but I mean, if if you use the communion rail rather than the uh, you know line model, yeah, yeah, it works so smoothly to have people kind of kneel down. They have a moment. They just indicate they're not going to receive holy communion, and because you don't have the line motion, it's less awkward. Yeah, and it makes for a really spiritual experience because they can come up to the front, have their moment right there, intimate with the Lord, mm-hmm. and then they don't feel like they're slowing anything down. It's really quite cool. Yeah, you know? yeah, I. Uh, I'm 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 pro rail. I mean, I think I think that there's a great benefit to it because there is there's this notion of being fed by the Lord, and even if you're not receiving Holy Communion, you are being fed in the way yeah. that He He can feed you right, yeah, in, right. In, in that way. Um, uh, 
uh, Clayton in the chat uh, says a very good point about scheduling masses. It's not that we don't want to make the sacrifice uh, to get there, but there are families to feed, and it isn't intentionally done to exclude certain parts of the population, but it's something that needs to be reevaluated. Some priests don't want to change the mass schedule because it will rock the boat. And the church doesn't need to get with the times, but our scheduling does. Yeah. yeah. And there's truth to that. Well, I mean, at a certain point, too, there's, a, there's a, a realization that is the church for retirees or is the church for converts? Yeah. And, and there's a certain point where when, it, when those two come into conflict and you have to choose one, you have to choose one. And any right. choice means you're going to make some people angry. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been in parishes where that's been a big deal. But at the same time, you know, who do we prioritize? The ones who already love the Lord, those who are, who are trying and making their way to heaven, who are doing all the things right, or those folks who desperately need our help. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's something that Pope Francis and I can be on the same page about is, you know, what we, I think there's a value in prioritizing those who are trying to get with the Lord yeah. to, the, to those who are the, the 99 sheep who are already with the Lord. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to be said for that, although it will make people furious. And so <laughs> yeah. please don't listen to anything I say. I never said this out loud. It'd be hush-hush. Nobody tell anybody. You didn't hear it from him. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, too, is, is uh, to be willing to have the discussions that will rock the boat and to also realize that, that not every parish has a priest and a parochial vicar. Right. To double up on masses for daily right. mass and things like that. It's yeah. a, it's not an easy place to yeah, do. Yeah, when you're working with a parish that has a school and some nursing homes and a jail and some yeah. other stuff. I mean, you know, I, I've been in a parish where I had four daily masses every day. And the idea of let's tack one on to accommodate somebody else right. is not even remotely possible. And so yeah. that, that's why I was kind of like, let's not get into the idea of intention. Sure. Let's just say it would be ideal if we can do that. Well, right. and then it becomes, this is this part is my church. Yeah. And I don't become part of the of the church community. I become part of this. Like, when I was doing young adult ministry, and that's why I, like, love them, because I am still one. But, <laughs> you know, when I became the you know, coordinator for young adult ministry, it was very interesting how many people were like, look, young adult ministry is really for the 20 to 25. Mm-hmm. Really, it's for married couples. With. And I was like, wait, wait, yeah. actually, it's from 18 to 40. That's okay. Right. This is the and, international definition. Yeah, and, of, in, yeah. and in young adult ministry, you have young professionals, you have college people, you have families, you have married, engaged, those who are looking at vocations. And that's just to name a few people. Yeah. So, like, yeah. if we start sectioning things off like this, this is why young adult kind of demands sometimes can give, you know, Mm-hmm. Give me the <laughs> sure <laughs> because I'm like that. You we need to also learn how to be a part of that community. So yeah. so the third so especially with this third one, right? Don't offer um, only don't only offer confessions one hour a week. Yeah. Well, here's the thing with yes, young ad- yes. with young adults, you got to go to confession. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter like when it is, you yeah. know. And and that's great if if you know they're saying millennials in this focus group say that the sacrament of confession feels like a sacrament that's built for them. Which oh, is yeah, very it absolutely is. Right? Yeah, they have a desire to confess. Right. right? It allows mm-hmm. them to focus on um, their unique personal life story and how um, it intersects with God. <laughs> Narcissism! Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and the world, right? It's all about me, right? Uh, but working people do have a hard time, uh, you know, again, getting, you know, maybe if you have a family, if you, they offer it on Saturday nights, like you're at the mm-hmm. ballpark or, you know, you're yeah. have a million kids sleeping over at your house or you're you're just out doing stuff, you know. Um, but in that same sense, right, they, they do say do offer uh, confessions in the evening. In that yeah. same sense, man, like if, if you're having a hard time getting to confession on Saturday yeah, and that's a priority for you, then do it. Like it's not, yeah. you know, it's going to take, what, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Or now. I've seen so many priests on Facebook who 
um, have posted pictures of empty confessionals. And yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm waiting. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and more priests than ever now are giving their cell phone number out and saying, text me if you right. want to text. Yeah. You know, if you if you want to make a confession, text me and I'll go over there. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 never been easier. Uh, but, but I'm with you. I mean, priests who are listening, please, 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 yeah. you know, do that 30 minutes before daily mass. Do that yeah. in the mm-hmm. evening. You know, if you're going to go to the church to pray your breviary anyway, yeah. I right. mean, you know, just do that at 6 p.m. or 5 30 or whatever when you know your folks are going to be getting out mm-hmm. and and just you know let them know the lights on for you i'll be yeah. there you know yeah. tuesday wednesday thursday or whatever and i mean and just sit in the confessional and, and, and hey if you pray your breviary and nobody yeah. comes then, it, you've got yeah, you five prayed. minutes of utter boredom, but you right. bring your spiritual reading with you. <laughs> yeah. And and if you if you people come, well, thanks be to God. You know, yeah. I mean, that's but that's yeah, big yeah. time. I, I mean, not to throw a wrench, but then a, a clustered parish situation, which mm-hmm. is all right. I've known for the past eight years of my yeah. life, almost oh, almost a decade. <laughs> I wouldn't trade it, uh, but it does present uh, some of those yeah. logistical Absolutely. issues, right? Because I never know where I'm going to be. I have centralized our mass schedule. But I never know where I'm going to be in an evening time, you mm-hmm. know. And so there may be a, a midway. I mean, maybe an innovative way would be uh, I thought about having, do you know those little flick buttons? Mm-hmm. They're these little buttons that are Internet enabled. Mm-hmm. And when you hit them, they do a certain action. And so I was thinking about getting a flick button. And, and whenever I press it, it's a, it, it tweets, Father's in the confessional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. At such and, and such at a place. At such and such a place. Yeah. And, and then so I'll, they'll know that for an hour I'm there. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I haven't done it yet, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I'm, I'm tempted to do so. Well, and this also becomes a moment where the, the church as a whole needs to work together. Because, I mean, you know, it, where I am in my parish is far away from where people work. Yeah. You know, I just don't have mm-hmm. people working in my community. And so the priests who are down the road at the big parish where everybody works, they, in a certain sense, have an even greater responsibility than does the priest who has a cluster, you know, to say, look, if, if I'm where people work, I'm in central Baton Rouge, I'm in New Orleans, I'm in Chicago, wherever then you say, you know, that those folks really do need to make a meaningful effort to sit in those confessionals. And the mm-hmm. priest who is in the country or more rural, you know, do what you can do. But that's the opportunity where Father Chris, you say, here's my here's my cell phone or here's my text me yeah. or here's my Google voice number. You can't yeah. use it to get in touch with me, but it will forward your text along or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it allows me to to get in touch or, hey, DM me on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. You know, something that's direct to those millennials. You can make a lot of uh, progress that way. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So I, I agree. Yep. So one of the other things that millennials love is fellowship, right? We love mm-hmm. to hang out. We love to, to go to, you know, the brewery or... It's good. We the, love to yeah, drink. Yeah, we love I, to hang I out. I like coffee. I like beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like wine. <laughs> Add yeah. some cheese. I'm there. All right. Well, often, a lot of times, um, the fellowship opportunities at parish can, again, center around the, the elderly. Yeah. <sighs> that feel so bad for the elderly. That's right. You know. And the polydent raffle goes to... Right, yeah. right. Um, now, this next part talks about, like, oh, maybe the only women's group is for moms. Okay, well, those are usually millennials at this point. You know, like, and, and maybe, you know, the only men's group is for, uh, is for like, maybe the KC Or the VFW. Or, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Um, are we are we having opportunities? Are do we have somebody in your parish who is a young adult minister? What? Who mm-hmm. coordinates these things? And I'm not talking about you know the, this person is the youth and young adult coordinator because you right. know who's going to get 99 percent of that of that budget of that time of that res- of those resources. 
the youth group. I'm talking about a, a dedicated young adult minister who can look at the needs of the young people in your parish yeah. and can minister to the different kinds of all those, all those young people, all those millennials um, that, I, that I talked about. Right. You're not like for me, I'm not a, a young mom's group is not going to work. I don't have any children's except for little chunk and he is not invited. OK, that's a dog, by the yeah, way, my, yes. for those of you maybe new to the program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little French bulldog. Right. So so oftentimes that can be frustrating. Like what is there for young, single, young adults? Mm-hmm. That's not like uh, speed dating. Oh, uh, yeah. Catholic speed dating. Yeah. Unless you know of any that are out there. You know, I found um, in Chicago. Whenever I went to to the Latin Mass training workshop, Uh um, uh, there's a a very fairly dynamic parish there that's kind of the epicenter of that, St. John Cantius. Mm -hmm. And it's staffed, of course, by religious order priests, the the brothers, uh, the canons regular of St. John Cantius. So there are a lot of young priests there, a lot of young brothers. It really kind of goes up the scale. But they have a very dynamic youth ministry that's really not youth ministry in the sense that we think about it. Like, Mm -hmm. here's a program. But uh, they have uh, young adults that, that will do like a, a, a bar crawl. Yeah. And they'll end up back at the parish center, which itself has a bar, yeah. you know. Um, uh, or they'll, they'll do a, an art crawl where, where they'll experience some form of Christian culture, you know, in, in one of the many art museums yeah. in Chicago. Uh, or they'll have a symposium where they invite somebody in, kind of like Theology on Tap. Yeah, yeah. And it's an opportunity to come together that... that um, causes the mind some uh, some exercise yeah. and 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 then maybe perhaps they'll also go to a low mass or they'll go to mass together sure yeah. and so there is the element of uh well i don't want to call it speed dating but there is the element of, of meeting people because yeah. i was watching it happen yeah. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but then being able to see them praying together sure right and then also being able to recreate together and those things will then take place off of the church property right because you're saying well these are people with which i share yeah. Um, a, a value system, you know, right. and and that's really that's what the church is supposed to be there for, right? When yeah. we call it a center of culture, uh, okay, cult mm-hmm. is not always a bad word, right? It it is the thing around which we worship, around which we center ourselves, and mm-hmm. for the, us, that that cultus of worship is is Christ, and so that's where the culture comes from, but it has to stem out mm-hmm. into into the rest of our life, huh? Right. And that's really kind of the basis for fellowship is is that shared center of worship. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of of millennials, young young adults, are looking for this the that integration of of faith and real life. You know that maybe they feel like sometimes everything that they do in their parish is centered. Yeah. Like. And I'm saying this because it sound bad, but like it's centered around just Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and that when you go to, you know, every young adult function is a mass or mm-hmm. an adoration and that's mm-hmm. it. But if you can say, hey, look, we're going to have a 7 p.m. mass and then we're going to do like a potluck after or we're going to go out to eat after. Mm-hmm. It's like, OK, yeah, we can do the Jesus thing yeah. where it's supposed to yeah. be and then bring it where That's right. it should mm-hmm. be, mm-hmm. you know, and you continue. We used to have, um, uh, Christ in the city here in town yeah. where we'd have an hour of adoration, which was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and then we go out to eat afterwards right. and it was so fun because then you like, you know, you, there's a spiritual aspect to it. There's a, there's this being fed spiritually. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you get to go and, and just be, be with people who yeah. are the like, mo- who are of like yeah. mind. You know? Yeah. Well, I think one of the big giant things there is that millennials, uh, are, are going to struggle to, uh, 
to find somebody else who knows what millennials think. Uh, And so one of the best things to do is to say, look, I've got some ideas. I've got some suggestions. Even if I'm not able to take leadership in them, you know, let me go talk to, you know, my priest. Let me go talk to people in the parish. Because I think one of the big struggles is that the way that people socialized from, say, the 1800s to like the 1970s was basically the same. You got together. You hung out a little bit. You said some things. Maybe you prayed. Maybe you read. But nowadays it's so different. Um, and, And it's it's very, very difficult. I mean, I'm 40, you know, so technically I'm, I'm at the end of youngness. Um, but it's, I mean, it's still, even though I'm somebody who I think is pretty aware of what's going on with the younger people, I would have to guess hard at what millennials are doing, you know? And so just being able to say, Hey, look, here's some suggestions, even if it's just an email or a, yeah. a text or not a Snapchat, we don't do Snapchat. They're not doing it. <laughs> so don't ask. They don't keep the records. Not going to do it. Not safe. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but I mean, just being able to know that, you know, sometimes it's, it's a matter of saying folks just don't know better, right, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I wish more millennials would reach out to me and tell me this is what we need. Yeah. Cause that'd be so helpful. Yeah. I think in the same vein is that, uh, you know, it's not in this article, but what, you know, one thing that I think is often seen as a gift, but not always like young people don't always like you. How do I say this without sounding? Okay. Like we need older priests. Yeah. Right. We can't just be assigned the young, the young, priests, no, which right. is cool. They're one great. Day I will They're be an older so priest. Good, right. But I've seen, gosh, I mean, I'm just, you know, at, at LSU's Christ the King, the, the, um, student, you know, church on campus. Um, we, I've seen older priests be assigned there and you would think like, Oh man, like that's the, the, the joy and the Mm -hmm. wisdom and the counseling that these priests have just by being themselves. Yeah. Right. They're not trying to be 20 year olds. Yeah. They are, you know, 50, 60 year old men and they know it. And yeah, who act like that, (laughs) who, who are that, that spiritual father in a real way. Yeah. Right. Um, because I, I'm starting to get older than some of our priests that are being, being ordained. You and and me both sister. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's somewhat of, it can be somewhat of a struggle to, like to get into that, okay, father, father mode, father mode, mm-hmm. right? But you see, in, like an older priest that just is is confident in 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 their, yeah. their vocation, you're like, oh yes, like I, as a young person, need this in my life. I need, you know, I need this this fatherhood in my life, mm-hmm. right? That's right. And so, I, so I encourage, like, if you are an older priest, and by older I mean not, y'all aren't that old, so. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but if you are an older priest, like, don't be afraid to get involved with young people, and don't be afraid to be yourself. Because the last thing that they talk about is don't try to be hip. Yes. Don't Please. do it. Just be authentically who you are. Yeah. Right. Don't try and like you know you know have a, a fake you know on social media presence. Right. Get somebody who can do it. You know you don't want to like try too hard. Because we're not looking for that. We're looking, young adults, millennials are looking for authenticity. Don't base your sermon on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air rap, you know, please. Just because the 80s are back again. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Right? Um, Right. It's it's very interesting that young adults, especially in this focus group, you're talking about, they started talking about uh, music at mass. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times you think uh, that the older generation is like, oh, we're not listening to that, that new agey. You know, I've heard church music. I've, I've heard older parishioners say, "Well, if you want to get the kids here, then you have to sing the rock music." Right, mm-hmm. which yeah. is not true. Yeah, where does that come from? I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know. But the the people in this 
uh, focus group, some of the hymns that they wanted were To Jesus Christ, Our Sovereign King. One of my favorites, actually. Right? It's my favorite, yeah. Holy God, we praise thy name. Hail, Holy Queen, enthroned above. They're going old school. Adorote right? devote. Yes. Love retro, it. vintage is all in. Because why? Because it's good music. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. When you like the 50 and older crowd, wanted the hymns that were popular in the 70s and 80s. Right. On Eagles, on Eagles wings. Notice I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Father's not saying anything. We're quiet no, here. This, this is, is a lay person this is, who's like, a church goer. I've done. <laughs> I've been in music ministry and it's a struggle because you have like I did a youth a youth music ministry for a youth mass for a long time. And it was difficult because you're trying to figure out music that is liturgically appropriate yeah. that everybody can sing. That's not a show. And that has meat to it. Yeah. Right. That's, that means something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there are some parishes that have been singing of, of God's love forever and they've just never stopped. No. Yes. No. <laughs> they've been singing that it's song, song nonstop. That doesn't end. It is. Yeah. 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 It, it had its day. Yeah. It did. But, tr- but be authentic, right? We're not looking. I think there's a, and there's a swing, I think. Back to young people are looking for what does the church teach? Authentically. Authentically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me, like, don't sugarcoat it. Don't try and make me feel good about myself when yeah. I'm in the midst of sin. Mm-hmm. I want to know the truth, right? I want to know how, if I'm looking to be Catholic, I want to know how to be Catholic. Right. I don't want to know how to be somewhat religious mm-hmm. that, you know, don't worry about it. Just yeah. go live your life. Yeah. I don't want that. Well, and the, the millennial experiences, I mean, as I've seen it, has been wrought with, well, we've been lied to an awful lot. Yeah. Our family situations have been a disaster. Uh, the, the way that life has been portrayed to us has been inauthentic. So please, if this is real and this is the true church and this is the fullness of truth, right. I want all that. Yeah. I want it all and start at the beginning. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, there's been, we, we've talked about this before in the show, this delayed adulthood. Yeah. Right. Well, we're not going to, we're not going to teach our juniors in high school, you know, about the dangers of, of, you know, of sin and sex because they can't deal with it. Baloney. That's malarkey. And then you have, you know, 30 year olds who are like, well, I can't take care of myself. I can't function in the world because no one has, has like allowed them to grow up. Does yeah. that make sense? It's mm-hmm. malark baloney. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so like, it's the same thing with the church where, you know, we're teaching our, our juniors and, and, and high school. I, I, Pick that group because I taught that group, mm-hmm. right? We're teaching them like color book pages, mm-hmm. yeah. Instead of how to adult in the faith, and there, right. and you know who's not teaching them? I'm getting on a. That's okay. You know who's not teaching color book pages? The real world, right? Yeah, no. the real world. And so they're dealing with stuff that's outside the church. They're being lured away. We're not, you know, we're not holding fast to the truth of what we what we believe in as a church because we're not giving it to them because right. we don't feel like they're they're old enough mature enough whatever we want to protect them and that's you know it's a good a good sense yeah. right but i think it can be super dangerous and that's yeah. what we're dealing with with millennials now is this hey i'm an adult mm-hmm. and i want to i want to act like adult an adult so treat me like an adult that's right and, and when it comes to to faith like that's a huge thing i'm not i'm not dumb mm-hmm. tell me the truth and part of the, the of teaching the truth to to an adult who says i'm an adult is emphasizing that which is not just natural right, right. i mean I, that's the only thing i would add to the list is that when i've worked with young people emphasizing the supernatural right. was a big deal i mean when yeah. we were in europe the two things that work big tradition and charismania <laughs> and both of those are very deliberately supernatural when yeah. i when kids talk to me the first thing they ask is have you ever been to an exorcism 
Have you right. seen yeah. one? Is yeah. that the real deal? What's the story with that? Yeah. I mean, it's number one topic of interest. I mean, and hey, and, and as soon as I say, yes, I have, everybody gets real serious. That's I right. mean, nobody is like, uh, isn't it, what? Seriously? Yeah, that's right. I mean, and so that the supernatural is a big deal for that generation. Right. It's very important. Because it's not emphasized. It's right. only hinted at in popular culture. Right. And so, again, if you're the fullness of truth, if you are the Catholic Church, if, if you are the place where the exorcists come from, tell me about it. Yeah. This is part of the treasury, the deposit of our faith, and I want to Scrooge McDuck up in that. we got so much more than the CW, it, you know? y'all. Yeah, we have yeah. more than the Woo! CW so, can bring, y'all. Yes, indeed. Exactly. Yeah. Word. We just have a whole generation out there that's not equipped to deal with the realities of of, right. of sin, of the evil one, of, of everything that they have. We're like sending them out to battle with um, foam swords. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Larping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Larping the faith. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Larping the faith. That, yeah. Exactly. That. Yeah. Thank you. When really, what young people want is a halberd. Yes. They want a Swiss yeah, guard <laughs> pike. That's what they want. <laughs> yes, they do. Huh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I think we could continue for another two we hours, but could. we do have a clock here. We're gonna keep. Oh, so right. I suppose we should go to that part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. All right, Kathleen, you have uh, regained your throne. Ah, your gracias. pick of the week. Now that Olivia's gone, <laughs> back on top, people. Um, I've you know I've been in this new position at the Women's New Life Center um, for, since December, so about six months. And one thing that I've learned about, and if you've seen the movie Unplanned, mm-hmm. um, you know about Abby Johnson, who uh, who worked at a Planned Parenthood in Texas and is now staunchly, I love that word, I've been mm. using it, staunchly mm. pro-life. Um, and she's a, pro, she's a pro-life warrior. And she started this um, movement called And Then There Were None. And Then There Were None. And so what she does is this, this organization helps um, a, a former abortion uh, clinic workers get out of the business. And I used to think like, well, dude, just walk away. Like it's gotta be that easy. It's not. Um, some of these people are, you know, because it's interesting. They're, they're in this job because they're trying to support a family or for whatever reason. And it becomes some, somewhat of a, like a black mark on your resume. Yeah. And so a lot of, professional or other healthcare, you know, facilities won't hire you. And so they are, they work to get people out of the industry and get them new jobs. Um, and, and to work through whatever, you know, maybe guilt or trauma that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could go check it out, uh, um, at abortionworker.com, abortionworker.com. The organization is called, and then there were none. Oh, Excellent. Right. Yep. Cool. Uh, Father Ryan, your pick of the week. I want to recommend a book called Messy, The Power of Disorder to Transform Our Lives. Those who know me know I'm OCD. <laughs> I have zero interest in messiness, and I would like to see it all destroyed across the entire universe, <laughs> Thanos included, all of it gone. Uh, but the the reality of the world is not the same way. And so this book is called Messy, and it's all about the different people and different environments in history that have taken chaos, confusion, messiness, and found a way Way to transform that into something really useful, really valuable. And this is everything from jazz music to military t- tactics to uh, cities that are dealing with their trash problem in, in creative ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an incredible book. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it, and I recommend highly uh, to others who might be either a little OCD or just looking to say, you know, what can I do to, to take the chaos around me and make use of it? Very cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of messy, Jeff, your pick of the week is curious at best. Uh, I, I guess so, and I don't know if I'm going to get a little ridicule for this, but... Uh, I can't wait. Uh, it's called The Forever Roll. Oh. Yes, indeed. Yeah, from Charmin. Uh, and it, it, and it's, this is a roll of toilet paper that'll last a month. 
and I'm serious. It comes with uh, the the stand or the wall attachment if you want to, you know, hang into the bathroom. But get it, real. It, yeah. I'm telling you, man, it, <laughs> it, it, it definitely gets people talking. But here's the deal: you get three of these giant rolls and the stand for thirty bucks. If I I went to get you know, groceries uh, for my wife uh, a few months ago. I went to get toilet paper, and it was just like I had to get a mortgage. You know, uh-huh. to pay. Yeah. This stuff is expensive. So anyway, I just <laughs> just check it out. It's in the show notes. It's from Charmin called the Forever Roll. Now, Father Chris, you know, I think if I had uh, one one uh, one wish, I would wish for endless pizza and not endless toilet paper. I'm just saying. Mm. You know, wouldn't I, you need both at some point? Well. <laughs> If this is indeed a forever roll, it's a Mobius strip of toilet paper. Yes, so, I mean, I don't know. Science. How do you put a price on that? Uh, my pick of the week, uh, my pick of the week, as you know, I'm a member of the Militia Immaculata, mm-hmm. huh, which is St. Maximilian Cole Bay's um, uh, prayer warriors uh, devoted to Our Lady the Immaculate. And so if you're interested in that, uh, the Militia of the Immaculata has, uh, has published a little booklet that has the path to total consecration to Our Lady in the spirit of St. Maximilian Kolbe. It's a hard, or it's a, a paperback version of some of the, uh, the stuff that's on the website at consecration.com. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's nice to have a, a booklet, right? So yeah. if you're actually working on it. So, so all the preparation work is there. It talks a little bit about the history of St. Maximilian Kolbe, um, gives you some readings, and then takes you through the consecration to Jesus through Mary. Yeah, and nice. so that's my pick of the week. I'll put that in the show notes if you're interested in picking up a copy of that. All right, uh, Jeff, we are very thankful for all of our benefactors, those who make this show possible with their financial resources, but also with their prayer. All of you, thank you, right? Absolutely. And this week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. And an important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us, share us on your social media platform of choice. And if you really like our podcast, pop by iTunes and leave us a review and click them stars, youngins. Mm-hmm. Our panelists this week have been Kathleen Lee, the benefactress. She's at Lee 626 on Instagram. That I am. Yep. Thanks, Kathleen. Also, uh, Father Ryan Humphreys, he's at FR Humphreys on all the social media platforms. <laughs> he is. I'm FR Ryan at, uh, at Instagram. And FR oh, okay. Humphreys everywhere else. Oh, there you go. All right. Our technical director is Jeff Blackwell. He's at Jeff Blackwellus and JeffBlackwell.us. Uh, thanks, Jeff. It's a privilege, Father. Also, our research assistant, the leader of the crew in the lab, is Jim Hayes and all of his youngins. Yes. Everybody is in on it. And, of course, Ben, we're looking at you. We're yeah, saving ben. a seat for you anytime. Woo. And your sisters, too, obviously, yeah, yeah. right? But Ben was the breakaway hit. Yeah, he was. His sisters know that. Yeah. Uh, also, our video and graphics director is Ed Ball. And you know me. I'm Father Chris. You can follow me on Instagram at digitalcatholic or fatherchrisdecker.com, which apparently is a thing. Uh, yeah, we hope we've helped you uh, cut through the noise and find that still small voice because he's there. We are the Catholic Underground. And we are Faith on Digital. We'll see you next time.